go. All right, we are joined with uh, Jack Hensel. Uh, I don't know what you're going to call home, Connecticut, Virginia. Connecticut, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, for anyone following what's happening in the White Mountains, there's just been a lot of shakeup in the FKT world over the past couple summers. We, we tend to say it's been recalibrated, um, and uh, Jack's been a contributor for this summer, getting the presidential FKT in a time of three hours and 37 minutes, 38, yeah. 38. And, uh, and then recently as of, as of yesterday took the, the hut traverse, which for a long time was at 1228 for a while. Right. George Hen- Henrik, I'm going to mess this up, but George had it. Um, and it really hadn't been touched for a while until Liam Davis and Jeff Colt went after it. And then Jordan Fields, um, and now we have Jack. So first, oh, yeah. first question, Jack, how you feeling? I, I feel right. I mean, honestly, when, uh, when I think back to Prezier great range, I don't think I felt that much worse the next day. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just kind of going a little slower or tapering a little bit better. Or, um, I'm, I'm not really sure. I haven't raced this far in a, in a while. So, but I feel, feel surprisingly decent, which I'm, which I'm kind of shocked about, honestly. Well, you look fresh navigating stairs and everything pretty well. This doesn't seem too far out of the ordinary for you based on the short history I know. Um, but for all the listeners, um, give your, give your five minute background on who you are. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm in the Navy, uh, went out there initially back in 17, uh, out to San Diego. Uh, and, uh, I was planning on doing, doing an ultra out here. Uh, and then I ended up going out to San Diego a little bit sooner than I thought pushed that off until about February of 2018, did a 50 miler. And I wasn't, I wasn't really in love with it. It was like 50 miles, 10,000 feet of gain point to point on the desert. And it was, it was all right. It was enjoyable, but it wasn't really what I was, what I was kind of hoping for. Uh, kept training a little bit. I was, I was training a lot of, a lot of lifting back then. And, um, and then just about like late that year, uh, November, 2018, went with a buddy out. We hiked San Jacinto uh, out near Palm Springs, California, about like 30 miles round trip, 10,000 feet of gain, just from the floor of the desert up to about like 10,800 feet. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. It's really a fantastic experience. I'd never really done anything remotely, you know, kind of alpine like that. And then, uh, after that we did a couple more in Southern California and then I was immediately expelled out to, out to Virginia beach. And I've been kind of suffering <laughs> for the, for the lack of mountains ever since. Um, did, did some ultras back in 2019 out to hundred K. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, but still I, I, I was looking for things that are a little bit steeper. And, uh, so about October of last year, I decided that I would, uh, start chewing on some of the FKTs on the East coast. I wasn't really too plugged into the race scene and I felt like races were just, uh, could be so kind of flippant, you know, courses change and, they're just fairly transient almost in a way. And I wanted to kind of race something that was, was more long lasting, um, and maybe a little bit more competitive. So I tried to figure out what the top five kind of single day FKTs were on the East coast. And the list I came up with was, uh, Pemi, Pemi loop up here, devil's path in Catskills, great range traverse in the Adirondacks, Prezi traverse up here, and then the hut traverse. Um, so yeah, I was able to take, took the devil's path. I went supported on the devil's path. So it's kind of hard to compare, but was able to come under on that and then under by about 
um, 18 minutes on the Great Range, uh, under by four on the Presidential Traverse, under by 26 or so on Hut Traverse, and uh, Pemi Loop didn't didn't exactly happen. I got the unsupported time, but wasn't able to pull down pull down Jordan's supported time. I ended up being like six or seven minutes short. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the way, uh, everything shook out. So would it be fair to say like your background before like 2017 was mostly hiking and just sort of, yeah, I mean, traditional hiking and, and outdoors. Yeah. For the, for the most part, I mean, I was, I was running, uh, a little bit. I mean, I did, did cross country and track in high school and was really bad. And, uh, I did a marathon in college down in DC and, uh, that went decently. Um, but no, not, not too much, you know, some hiking growing up in Connecticut, some mountain biking. Uh, I did some longer kind of like cycle tours, um, bike packing type of stuff, but, uh, no, nothing, nothing too trail running orientated. I mean, I think when I was super young, when I was like, maybe like elementary, middle and like early high school, I had a buddy and we used to just kind of, we'd hike a lot and we'd basically just downhill run as like fast as we could on like, you know, the nastiest like technical off trail stuff. I mean, we can find in Connecticut, which isn't saying all that much. Um, but I think that kind of really helped with my mess this word up. I think proprioception or whatever. I think it really helped kind of getting my mind dialed for the downhills. And I think it kind of carries through to today. Um, I can vouch so. for that. I, you open it up pretty well in the Crawford path, just on a short segment <laughs> when we were bombing down, scaring people that were hiking up. Um, yeah, I, I just want to like, I like getting that background just so p- people know, like everyone comes from a different background into, you know, where they are today, the running this, this FKT scene, which is fun to highlight. And, uh, I think I always try to take away like some tidbits of like, how can, what, what little pro tips can you share with other people and their training and what's what, you know, watching you come in really tackle these these routes differently than i'd say a lot of other people is you're very strategical or very thorough and doing attempt attempt to be strategic (laughs) well we'll talk about that in a sec but um coming through and previewing them spending a lot of time when you came up this summer for the presidentials uh you you did it several times over like some out and backs and got familiar with the territory before taking a break to kind of recover a little bit and then come back and do it. That's something that we've seen other people do. Like Jordan certainly reconned a lot of his stuff and had specific training, which was awesome to hear him share a little bit about that. But, you know, for, for you, for the hut traverse, and I think we'll just focus on that. Cause that's like, a, it's a premier route that I think is really fun to unravel. But, um, you came two weeks ago, at least mid, mid August and, so day one, run through, run through your recon yeah. and like how you approach. Just, approach just to this. circle back on kind of like the, the terrain thing. I mean, I think where that kind of comes from is, um, I think, uh, the grand, the grand Teton and Longs Peak, Andy Anderson had both of those. And I think, uh, I mean, Andy, I think is a super talented athlete, but I don't really know how much trail running or ultra running he did outside of those. But you see, he put down these FKTs on these you know, super competitive routes and, uh, his longs FKT was like his 400th time or 250th time or something up the mountain. And it's like, Oh my God, like to what extent on the super, on the super technical stuff is just getting out there and just practicing it as much as possible. And so that's what I, 
that's what I tried to go and do for the Prezi and the Great Range. I mean, the Great Range, it was like, I can't remember. It was like six times in a week or something. And the Prezi, it was like, you know, between the out and backs and the, the single run throughs. And it was, it was like seven times in eight days or something, basically. And uh, I was just trying to get the terrain so dialed. Um, and in the end, you run it in the fog and uh, you run it in the rain and it's just nasty and stupid. But yeah, so for the Hutcherverse, um, day one, I came out here and uh, I did the second half of the course. So I'd seen this a little bit when I did the PEMI um, and uh, ran through from Highland Center up and over to, to Lonesome and then back down to 93 and then uh, hitched back to Crawford Center day two, did the exact same thing. And then uh, day three, um, went out to up 16, up to 19 mile Brook Trailhead, went up Tag Carter and then you and I uh, rolled over the Prezies. Um, I felt like with the Prezies, I had a pretty good grip on it because I, I hadn't run those exact trails. I hadn't run the Crawford path exactly the way it goes. And, um, some of those other trails kind of skirting, uh, Mount Washington, but I knew the, I knew the geography really, really well. I knew what the rocks were going to be like. I knew what the traction was going to be like. So I didn't really think I needed to drill it as much. And plus, um, with a route that's so long, you know, getting every footstep perfect doesn't matter as much as it would if I was doing like a, a rip up and down Mount Washington or something where I could really think practicing it would a ton would really help. Um, you can yeah. pick, you can pick certain lines and you'll have these yeah. little, and the, all those add up over the course of something shorter distance where you can save seconds here, seconds there. And all yeah. of a sudden that becomes minutes. Um, and what's really important about the recon is that you're figuring out where every junction is. I think that's the most important. So you're never second guessing yourself. Yeah. Or, or making a complete wrong turn <laughs> or yeah. The worst case scenario, you make a wrong turn. Um, we'll run through, run through yesterday's yesterday's run. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to try to go on e as easy as myself as possible. So I slept up at, up at Carter the night before, uh, I usually sleep horribly the night before I do these things more, not out of nervousness for the event, but out of, you know, fear that I won't be able to fall asleep. So, you know, slept fairly poorly and got up and ate some pancakes at the hut and then, uh, rolled down and I just had my overnight pack with me, which was just basically a sleeping bag in like a running backpacking, fast packing pack, uh, <clears throat> uh, immediately twisted my ankle off the start. Did not expect that. Uh, immediately had to pee and, you know, piss my pants right off the start. Uh, cause I was not about to stop <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, got down to my truck. Uh, I had hidden my keys behind my license plate. I was originally, I was going to put them in my tire, but then like some dude drove by and was like staring at me. So I put them on my license plate and I couldn't get them out. And I literally just took my license plate and bent it up at like 180 degrees. And it was like, you know, perfectly vertical. I'm sure it's going to snap off. Uh, now, you know, got my keys out, got my vest. Uh, and then from there it was, it was pretty straightforward. I put a little bit of time on Jordan coming down from, uh, Carter, put a little bit of time on him going up to Madison up great golf. And I think I tagged great golf about five minutes ahead of him. Uh, and a big, uh, issue that Jordan was running with was all the huts were closed. So he was filtering all of his water. Uh, so that certainly helped putting some, putting some more time on him. I checked in with all the hut crews where I could, some of the huts, the uh, hut crew wasn't around, uh, more just as kind of a backup in case my watch failed. 
uh, and then from there, uh, rolled up and over to lakes and going to lakes. I thought I was putting out pretty hard. I was worried I was going a little bit too hard, but I did. I don't think I gained any time going to lakes. Uh, and then from lakes to mitzvah, I think Jordan stopped and filtered at lake. So I was able to pick up, uh, some decent time doing that. Um, pretty, pretty straightforward. Nothing, nothing really there. And then, uh, mitzvah going down mitzvah. I didn't get any water at, I was able to just keep, keep rolling with what I had from lakes. Uh, I head straight down to 93, uh, 93. I had a bear hang with a second vest in it and, um, about 2,400 calories in it. Um, uh, I rolled with about 1400 calories off the start and, uh, grabbed, grabbed that, knocked the bear hang down, grabbed the second vest. I was liking though. I was rolling with a new vest off the start and I was liking it so much. I was like, shit, I'm just going to stuff my gels into this one. And, um, naturally as I did that, it like filled the space. All my trash was occupying and my trash just like confettied out all over the forest. And naturally it was those stupid gel, you know, top tabs. So I was, I was picking those up for a solid two minutes back there. Um, cause I figured for sure someone was going to come by and see all these like Morton tops back there and was like, what other, what other dumbasses back here is, 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 you know, eating Morton. And, uh, so picked all that up and, uh, rolled up and over to Zealand. And, uh, from, from there to Zealand hut, I don't think I would have picked up any time on Jordan between my stop. And I think he, he took that section pretty well. Uh, and then just coming into Zealand, there were like a bunch of people standing in front of the sign. Not, not, I don't think it's the AT intersection. I think it's just before that. And I just, I just misread the sign. I knew the, the route was going to go right, but it just didn't go right that soon. And, um, instead of taking a left, I took a right and I went about 0.6 in the wrong direction. I probably went about 0.3 before I started to get concerned. And then I checked my watch and, uh, I was worried about the battery. So, I mean, I hadn't loaded the route. I mean, the route was in there. I just hadn't brought it up, uh, which probably doesn't make a difference. And, uh, I could see on the map, there was like a structure of some sort up ahead. And I was like, oh, that's gotta be the hut. And, uh, a lot of times like this type of thing will happen and I'll just like keep going and I'll be on the right path and I'll just be like confused. And I get about 0.5 and I get to like the cantilevered bridge walkway type of thing. And I was like, Oh God, this does not seem right. And I check my watch and I load the route and naturally it like takes forever. And about 45 seconds later I look and I'm like way off route. And I was like, Oh my God. And, uh, I just like sprinted by and like, naturally, like there had been a bunch of people at that intersection that I like almost bodied coming through and they're like all walking down the trail and I'm like, Oh, he, he, hi, sorry. Uh, and, uh, yeah, roll up to the sign. Of course it shows, you know, very clearly go left here. And I went from, I think I was 11 up on Jordan right there. It's kind of hard to tell cause my splits were all like hot splits, but I think I was about 11 up on him and I was one up on him, uh, when I ended up getting to the hut and, uh, yeah, I don't think I completely cried, but I came like pretty close and I thought I didn't think about dropping in that moment. I mean, part of me was just like, hey, this just like isn't going to be an A plus effort at this point. Like I'm going to leave time out here. I probably should just come back. But then the other half of me was like, oh, my God, I've already invested enough time in this. <laughs> and uh, and I just went really hard up the climb to guy or whatever out of Zealand and uh I, I started to get concerned. I was like, I'm going too hard right now and I'm going to, I'm going to crash really good. And part of the problem was, is I like, I thought Jordan did Zealand to Galehead really fast. So like my whole plan was build up a lead that let Jordan eat it on this section. And then, you know, 
kind of go from there. And so here, my whole strategy was like completely out the window and uh, went really hard on that climb and ended up getting a guy at, I went from, I picked up between Zealand and guy, I picked up like eight minutes on Jordan and uh, yeah, I turned around, screamed some expletives, you know, back to back towards Zealand kind of area. I'm sure some people thought I was completely insane. And uh, then from there, it, it rolled pretty well. I was kind of, I was still kind of like catching myself after like burning so many matches, ripping up guy it, but uh, I was, I was doing okay. And then once I got towards South twin, I just had this like unreal second wind. I think really what it was, um, was I just like went so hard going up to guy and then I kind of just recovered. And then from there to lonesome, I just felt really, really, really good. It was just, it was just kind of strange. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really had the turnover or the speed that I kind of hoped for, but I just felt like, you know, I could just maintain this pace for a while what I'm rolling with right now. Um, got down to Gale head, uh, totally fine. Uh, filled up a Gale head, uh, from there just kept cruising up to Garfield spring, filled up a Garfield spring. Um, and then, uh, yeah, up, up Lafayette, no issues tag top of Lafayette drop down, uh, to Greenleaf. I mean, one thing I started to notice towards the end, the biggest thing I was noticing was, which kind of surprised me because I thought I'd keep, I was, it would be able to keep the downhills up, but I would just notice I just didn't have the strength anymore. And on the downhills, I just couldn't, couldn't decelerate as well. So I just kind of, I had to take more steps, uh, and end up being a lot slower. Um, but, uh, on the flats and the, you know, slide uphills. I felt, I felt all right. Got to Greenleaf. I walk in a bunch of people standing in there and I was like, one of you guys hut crew. And everyone just kind of looks at me and I look at this one woman in her twenties who looked like hut crew. I was like, are you hut crew? And, uh, she said, um, Oh no, I'm good. I don't need any fruit. And I was like, okay, cool. Perfect. And I just laughed at that point. And, uh, I was, uh, ever since like Garfield, I was like, shit, like I'm really close to 10 hours. I like got to get this together. And, uh, my whole plan was I just need to get to Greenleaf 24 minutes ahead of Jordan. And I felt like I could do that descent to 93 faster than he did. Um, and I got there and I was like, I think I was 23 minutes up on him. And I was like, oh God, I like shout out to, to Steve, T, Steve Lang, Steve Lange. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really sure how to, how to pronounce your last name, but uh, he's got the, we talk a lot. He's got the Franconia Ridge FKT. And, uh, I'm not religious or anything, but I did, I did pray to Steve in that moment. And I was like, Steve, I need some, I need some, need some of your wisdom on this downhill. Cause he, he can just, he's got the CR on Strava over a bunch of people running that in the winter. And I've, I was absolutely nowhere remotely close to what he ran it in, but got down that. Okay. Uh, and then I got towards the end and I just started throwing stuff all over the place. Cause I was so sick of carrying everything. So first I just chucked my vest in the woods and like held onto a bottle. And then I got like on the passageway below 93 and I just threw the, threw the bottle into the grass, threw my shirt into the grass and, uh, just kind of ripped up there through the campground, picked up you like, uh, point, point one, point two outside of the campground. And, uh, you know, you had like a vest on the camera and everything and like 10 hours was certainly on my mind, but I was like, yo, I got to drop Drummond on this climb. <laughs> uh, plus like, I really wanted to, I was like, I got to get the course record on this. Cause I think, I think Jeff added or something. And, uh, 
I thought I thought I was moving at like a you know sub five gap coming up that I was like man this is so fast right now and no it wasn't it wasn't that quick um but yeah got up got up to the lake and stretched it out a little bit and got to the hut and 958 and yeah it was pretty it was pretty hyped yeah yeah couple couple minutes to spare interesting how that all works out your perceived effort like talk to me about like what's hard on this what was going hard for this effort if you compared it to say like hard on the prezi effort like where how do you measure that yeah um it's, it's kind of tough for me to quantify uh i think one thing is when i'm doing like the prezi or the great range i think one thing that's probably counting against me is i just swing so hard on every climb from the start that I probably just burned myself out doing that. It's it's pro- almost would be a better strategy if I just ran it slower and just like tried to ramp up each climb as I did it instead of just like coming absolutely swinging out of the gate every time. Uh, doing something like the Prezi of the Great Range though, like the big thing I focus on, like this yesterday was like more like continuous motion. Like I need to, you know, devote equal like mental space for like uphills and downhills. And uh Doing the Prezi, it's like, okay, the uphills are like my focus from an exertion perspective and the downhills are a time to rest. And that's like where the mental game kind of comes in. Uh, so I would Prezi, great range. I would just rip as hard as I could on the uphills and just treat every single one of those climbs as like a short little interval, uh, get to the top and like, okay, this is the time to like breathe and just like stride it out on the downhills and like let my legs just take the pounding. And at the end on the great range, it was just kind of one continuous kind of slog between the ups and the downs. It really didn't make a difference. I'll tell you though, I think the reason why, uh, Jeff and I, and I personally, I just haven't really looked at Jordan split. Um, just Jeff split is just so fast going up to lakes. Oh no, going up to going up to lonesome. And I think it's because you're, you're pushing hard going to Lafayette and then you have this like 45 minute downhill and you have this huge time to rest and you get down there and you're like, Oh God, I still have some in the tank at this point. And uh, you can really rip that last, that last uphill. But of course that kind of makes you wonder like what, what, what could I have done earlier if I'm, you know, feeling this good at the, at the very end. Well, making the wrong turn at Lonesome, you're saying, you said in your write up it's a blessing and a curse because, um, at Zealand, yeah. at Zealand, sorry, that pushed you like to burn some matches that ultimately you had. Yeah. Which goes to the bigger question or the bigger perspective of FKTs and chasing times versus doing it for yourself versus trying to break like this, like a this personal barrier of like 10 or an arbitrary barrier of 10 hours. Yeah. So at some point you're like, you know, you're, you're capable to keep up with Jordan's splits. Like in your recon, you told me I, I, from one of those days from Crawford to, to lonesome, you were fine. You were like, okay, I can feel, I feel his pace. I I think I got this, but then, um, so it's really interesting how you start chasing, like what you're chasing and what keeps you moving and how things, like I was saying, get recalibrated. If you just chased Jordan splits, you might just like squeak under, but then Mm. all of a sudden you're like breaking it down differently. And, and you weren't chasing Jordan splits anymore. It was like, you messed up and now you're upset with yourself and now you're panicking and you're flying up Zealand and you get up, you get up onto the eight, you know, you get up onto the Ridge and realize like you're actually flying. Let's roll with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
is a great point because I was just kind of, um, I don't want to call it down. I was just kind of flat before I made that wrong turn. And, uh, I was like, okay, these are the splits. Okay. I'm ahead of them, I guess. But it wasn't really, there wasn't really a lot of fire there. And then making that wrong turn, it was just like, you know, I was saying that if I do something again, I want you to, to hide in the forest and just pop out and just punch me in the face just randomly because that's what it kind of felt like. I was just like, so I was so angry and, uh, I was like right between, you know, swinging as hard as I could and completely dropping from the thing. And, uh, fortunately I, I stuck with it and I do, I do really wonder, um, I'm just waiting for the, the simulations to get, to get developed out where, uh, I do wonder like what those last splits would have been out of Zealand if I, if I hadn't done that. And like, maybe I would have run the same exact time, maybe 10 hours would have been on my mind. And I've been like, okay, I just want to come in under 10 hours. Um, I don't think it's exactly true. I think it would have been slightly faster, but I don't think I would have been 10 minutes faster. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah. But to me, it's like coming out, I guess, towards motivation. Uh, to me, I, I mean, I love, I love the outdoors. I love being out there. I love the history. I love, you know, pushing myself. But to me, what I love about racing is it's like, so it's so holistic. And I don't think there's really any other place where you're, you're tested both from a, uh, obviously a physical perspective very narrowly, and then kind of a mental perspective, like how well you can build your training going into this effort, your strategy for running, uh, you know, your, your headspace for doing these downhills and running these technical sections and, uh, and then just, you know, well, how well you can kind of like discipline yourself, everything from keeping to splits to, uh, eating gels at the right time and, you know, the strategy of how much water you carry, balancing your weight. And, uh, and then finally just kind of the, the mental toughness perspective of just how hard can you kind of push that, push that governor back and, and just kind of stick with the pace. And, um, I think it's just really fantastic to have something that's just such a, such a cool competition, uh, between, between people. And that's what kind of excites me about, about doing it for sure. Um, Especially on something like the hut traverse where you have such good splits, hut to hut to hut to yeah, hut, yeah, all these little yeah. checkpoints where you're like, how am I doing? How am I doing? Um, I said one last, one last question about your water. Like when you, I mean, how much are you drinking on a day like yesterday? That's, I think it was forecasted a high of 48 on the summit of Washington, pretty gusty, but like on the cooler side after like having such a hot summer. Yeah. Um, it was, it was cloudy yesterday. Uh, I, I did not feel the wind except in the, I mean, kind of obviously I didn't feel the wind except for in the really exposed above treeline sections. So that was like Franconia Ridge and summit of Washington. So the whole day was pretty, pretty still, uh, overcast. So it wasn't a lot of sun on me and coming out of Virginia, I'm like just really well heat adapted and, you know, just used to drinking so much water. So I, uh, I started with, started with nothing going down to my car on 19 mile brook. Uh, picked up 500 milliliters, drank that, refilled again out of a stream on the way to Madison up up in Mad Golf. Uh, picked up a filled up with a liter at Madison. <clears throat> uh, over at Lakes, filled up with a liter. Uh, rolled with that all the way down to um, Highland Center. <clears throat> then at uh, Zealand, picked up a liter and a half. Uh, that was the only time I carried a liter and a half. I just knew how dry that next section was going to be picked up a liter at, uh, Galehead, 
liter at Garfield Spring, and then uh, 500 milliliters at Greenleaf, and then that was that was it. Uh, so I think I calculated out. I think it was 10 and a half liters well, uh, for the day on a on a cool day. Yeah, yeah, which I think is a little high. I mean, I'm certainly bigger. I'm like six one, like 180. Uh, I think that may kind of affect it. And then calories, I think it shook out. This was like the first effort that I've really disciplined myself to like actually eat stuff. Uh, Normally, I mean, I consumed like 600 calories on the Prezi. And I think it was like 800 on the Great Range. And this, I was, you know, forcing myself 400 calories an hour. And I think that made a huge difference. I should have been doing that the whole summer. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, it was it was a mix. I think it was about 80% Morton, about 10% uh, honey packets, and then about 10% like nut butters, nut butter packets from uh, Mirror Energy. And uh, I think that was a good blend of kind of like fats and uh, carbohydrates. And my stomach was like totally good. Oh, and about 300 calories of Tailwind. Uh, I think it was about four... <clears throat> Four caffeinated gels throughout the day. So about 360 milligrams of caffeine. It's well documented. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how other people, you know, how everyone perceives this like fueling effort and what works and doesn't work in this big experiment. And as part of this experiment, it's like you're training. Um, you're, you've said you've always loved to train vertical and uphill. Talk a little bit about your training because you also mentioned how you feel like you do a lot of volume, but that's all relative yeah the individual so what does your training look like throughout the summer when you're down in virginia yeah so it's 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 uh brutal um so i've got to drive about three and a half four hours to get any kind of like decent outdoor trail running so the way it shakes out for me is about when i'm in kind of like my peak uh kind of like base building which i was you know throughout the entire spring and early summer and i get to for like a couple of weeks between efforts. I've been spacing these efforts out probably like a month. So usually I'll have like a couple days. I can usually get by with just a couple days to recover and uh, about a week and a half taper. So I can get like two to three weeks um, in between efforts to kind of get back up to my my kind of like peak, peak uh, mileage, which probably isn't a good idea. It's probably a little bit aggressive. And that peak mileage shakes out to be about 24 hours a week. And uh, that comes out to about one kind of like lactate threshold workout, one VO2 max workout, uh, about four, uh, like, yeah, about 10 hours of kind of like base building just during the week of kind of like Z1, Z2 on the Stairmaster and on like an uphill treadmill and just like lapping neighborhoods running on asphalt. And then on the weekends, uh like a seven hour long run and a five hour long run. So that shakes out too. It's tough with the treadmill and the Stairmaster, like my watch like does its thing and I just go with whatever it says. But typically on Strava, I'll pick up between like a hundred to 130 miles a week on those. And then vert, um, like, like 15 to 20 outdoors and then another 10 to 20 on the Stairmaster and incline treadmill. So like really high. And, uh, it, it is, it is funny kind of like doing the, the Prezi and the great range, Ryan and Jordan, Ryan Atkins and Jordan Fields do not train like that sort of volume. And, uh, 
and here, you know, our times are basically the same or they're faster than me. And it's like, fuck, like, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I wasting my time, you know, staring at TikTok for 12 hours a week on a Stairmaster? And it's like, well, you know, now, now I kind of, I kind of get it. Cause like yesterday, uh, when, you know, Jordan's Jordan splits were kind of falling off. Like I felt, I felt perfectly fine. And it's just like, just having all of that vert in your legs, I think just makes a huge difference when it starts to get really long. So, I mean, really long, relatively long for me. Um, yeah. I think that the treadmill, incline treadmill, a lot of people listening are going to be like, huh, that like makes a lot of sense. It's this contr- yeah. like you have total control over your workout. Um, you don't have to worry about beating yourself up so much and you can really get that whole benefit of uh, training your body to go uphill. Yeah, I think I think two things on the on the incline work that I think is awesome is like um, first off, it's super low impact. So I would not be able to stack that much volume if like a lot of it wasn't on the treadmill and on the Stairmaster. And then on top of that, like being able to dial that those workouts on the treadmill is huge because whenever I try, try to do uh, workouts outdoors, it like inevitably ends up being uh, as hard as I can or like some sort of nebulous Z3 thing, which like hopefully is like the right pace, but like maybe isn't. And uh, it's hard to kind of get it right. And on the treadmill, it is unreal when like t- temperature is consistent the grade is always consistent. The speed is always consistent and you can dial it in week to week, workout to workout to the 10th of the mile an hour or to like, you know, the 10th of a percent of incline is like fantastic. And I think that makes a, makes a huge difference. And I think that's like kind of an advantage living somewhere where there isn't mountains is like, I'm not drawn to run outdoors. Like I can focus like it requires a lot more discipline and is a lot less pleasant and is like not fun at all. But as long as you can handle that, you can really focus on just getting faster because if you're not getting faster, then you're absolutely wasting your time and torturing yourself. And, uh, I think that's going to become hopefully fairly apparent and certainly would lead you to course correct if it wasn't being, uh, constructive. Yeah. Did, do you feel close to, um, just overall fatigue with that volume or on the cusp of injury? Or did you feel like, like this is working, this is good. I'm going to keep on this trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to that volume, I just like kind of my theory is like, Hey, I'm just going to roll with this until I can't anymore. And I felt fine. Like my workouts get faster. I used to kind of have some knee problems years ago, but like those have kind of gone away. And, uh, yeah, as long as I'm like sleeping fine, like not getting like sick all the time and like not getting injured, like my mind, like, and I'm improving. Why not? Why not keep that, keep that volume up if I'm, if I'm okay with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to it. Uh, I think one thing that's kind of interesting is a lot of people, I think attempting to do that, um, just wouldn't eat enough. And like the volume, I think part of it comes cause, uh, I just, I used to lift a lot. I put on a ton of weight in a single year trying to mostly fat, uh, trying to like get lifts up and everything. And, um, just having like being used to just eating such volume. Uh, I think that helps a lot. And there's a lot of days where, where it'll just be like midweek and there'll be absolutely no reason. And I'm just like really fucking hungry. And I'll just sit down and eat like 3000 calories of chocolate chip cookies. 
and I'll get done and I'll like feel like I just ate a salad. Like I'll feel like, you know, so good about, <laughs> I'll just feel like so healthy. Um, and, uh, there'll be like other days where I'll certainly be super tired and like, won't want to work out. And it's like nice having a kind of flexible schedule and not having a ton of attachments as far as, uh, relationships and, and, and kids and everything. And, uh, I'll just, I'll just take some time, just kind of relax for like an hour or so before doing my workout. And it's incredible, which is kind of like laying down, relaxing, eating a ton of carbs can kind of do Whereas before I wouldn't have thought of working out that day or running that day. And here I can just kind of take some time to reset. And it's just like completely changes your headspace. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, that's it. I'm not working out today. I'm, this is, this needs to be a rest day and I'll just take an hour or two to rest. And then I'll like have a ton of energy. Um, so yeah. I was going to ask like through the past several years, was there a defining level up moment where you just realized like, whoa, I'm, I'm much faster, much fitter than I realized. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, no, not so much. I mean, I was, when I was, when I was lifting, I was training a ton of volume per week back then. And I've just kind of, just kind of held that up. Um, but I'm trying to think of a, a no kind of like individual moment though. So just um, that slow build over time and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no shortcuts. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah you yeah. put in, put in a lot of time when you talk about the treadmill, I've done a lot of time on the treadmill and it's, um, it's a skill. Like there's a skill mentally yeah, to be yeah. able to adjust to it and get comfortable. And I think a lot of people that start running or start trail running, it's really hard at first. Yeah. And the more you adapt mentally, physically, it's just like, it's fun. Like yeah. you make a, you make a game out of it where you, you chase numbers or chase the workout and then you get to see what it does on the other side when you yeah. do get into the mountains. Yeah. Now, when you're going to do these weekends in Virginia, yeah. I mean, you're going, you're driving a few hours out. Yeah. You were saying, this is pretty cool. Like you get to the trailhead and you'll run, like you've just driven a while. You just need to unwind Friday night you yeah. get out for a few hours. Yeah. And then what does the rest of your weekend look like? Uh, yeah, I, so typically, uh, Friday I've been, I've been getting out there and I'll run and it's, it's usually pretty stupid cause I'll get out there after work at like seven, eight o'clock at night and it'll be getting dark. And, uh, it's kind of a demoralizing experience when you start running and it's like night out. Um, some people like that. Yeah. Mamma mia. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Uh, and then, uh, Saturday I'll wake up early, early. I mean, I'll wake up at like eight, uh, log a big block then, uh, and then kind of right out near where I run Charlottesville is out there. So I've got a lot of friends in Charlottesville. So I'll go and go and hang out there Saturday night. And then Sunday at about 10, 11 or so I'll, I'll head back out to, I've kind of, I've kind of bounced between there's a place on the AT, uh, priest where the priest wilderness meets the three ridges wilderness. And there's one side of the road is 3.7 miles and a 3,200 foot climb. And the other side is five and a half miles and a 3,400 foot climb. And so a lot of times I just end up just yo-yoing between those essentially. And, um, so Sunday I'll end up doing the same thing for like five hours. Uh, and the way I look at it is the week is my time the weekdays are my time to get in my flat mileage and the weekends, the focus is as, as steep as possible. 
And unfortunately in Virginia, that kind of limits me because I can't kind of travel. I don't travel around and try new places to run because like I am here just to get vert. And, uh, so the way that shakes out, I mean, it used to be, I've kind of cut back on it now, uh, because I was going a little bit insane, but like it used to be, I would just lap stuff on Saturday log, like 12 to, I think up to 14 K avert, like really like 11 to 14 K avert on Saturday. And then on Sunday, um, like another good seven, eight or so. And, uh, I've kind of, I kind of went crazy just lapping hills like that. So now I like to, I mix it up a little bit more, but really still the focus is like, what do I need to get in now that I can't get in Virginia? And, you know, I can get the uphills in Virginia. It's really the big thing is I can't get the downhills. I could probably be replicating that with like some sort of strength workout, I'm sure, but I'm just like not smart enough to like figure that out and would rather just like pound my head against the wall on the Appalachian Trail. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for sharing all that. I don't know. I find it really interesting how you can come from your background of training. Jordan comes from his and you got Ryan and all these other, you know, people that come up and are attempting the FKT. So, uh, there can be like little tidbits of that, maybe not to the extreme that people can benefit from. That might be in the same situation where they just have a gym and a treadmill Yeah, winter sucks and maybe they don't have interest in other sports, but yeah, 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 you, yeah, can, yeah. you can really do a lot with uh, limited um, accessibility. No, for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, you're, you're going to be done with the, out of the Navy coming up here this fall. Yeah. And I think and I'm headed to reserves. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean for the treadmill? Yeah. <laughs> like, where's the treadmill in your future? No, that's, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, it's something, um, once I'm just dirt bagging it full time in my camper, it's like something I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about. Uh, it's just kind of being outdoors and, having to kind of like run off of do workouts off of feel and off of heart rate and everything else. And, uh, maybe, maybe trying to find a, a treadmill somewhere out in the road. Like, you know, I don't think planet fitness, they probably go over 10%. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what it, what's going to, what's going to happen. That's scary. But yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's gonna be a real paradigm shift. I'm not really sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what is next? What are you excited for? What's, uh, what, um, what, so I mean, it's the big plan. Well, I mean, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good right now. And, uh, we were talking, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but part of me just kind of feels like I should just call it and, uh, I should rest up and transition a bit to, to schemo season, uh, eventually. Um, and part of it, part of me kind of feels like, Hey, I've got the fitness. I'm like <clears throat> on the East coast right now. Uh, and, uh, maybe I should, you know, look for some, some other objectives out here. I'm getting a little bit concerned about huts closing and water freezing and leaves falling off the trees and days getting shorter. But, uh, I'm like considering like the hundred miles of the AT through the whites, you know, kind of looking at the PEMI almost, um, you know, Ryan did, uh, just humiliate me on the great range. So. Uh, I do, I do feel, you know, the sirens call to go, to go back there and to, to rectify that attempt to rectify that. Uh, who knows? Maybe he, there might be a, there might be a humiliation part two on the, on the Prezi. I can't, I can't like, you know, be annoyed because like what he's, what he potentially, you know, is going to do to me, like is exactly the same as what I did to Jordan. So, you know, just like roll off of his splits. And like, you know, eek under, eek under a couple minutes faster after he, you know, made a wrong turn. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as 
maybe next summer. I think this has been kind of um, illuminating running yesterday. I think I was debating next summer whether I want to focus on like 50K distance, Golden Trail kind of races or kind of go a little bit longer. And I think I think going a little bit longer is is the right answer for me. Um, so, yeah, that's probably when we start focusing on maybe maybe try a hundred miler out, uh, race more hundred K kind of distance. So, and yeah. then I think also like schemo, um, looking at like the FKTs on like Shasta, Hood, Rainier. I think there might be an Adams ski, ski FKT races like Power of Four, maybe. I don't know. Got to poke around. Schemo in the Olympics. Yeah, gotta, schemo in the Olympics. Gotta gotta scratch that itch. Yeah, hell yeah. 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 You said yesterday on the descent, you're like, I felt great. I could have kept going. Yeah. You, you yeah, know? yeah. That's yeah. uh most people don't have that. So that certainly is illuminating and you yeah. have this you have this like untapped potential to go do whatever uh, intrigues you. And that's the thing is you got to stay excited for something Yeah, and, yeah, and have yeah. these little carrots to keep you on the treadmill or whatever you're doing. Like what is going to, what's that going to be? Well, well, it sounds like you got that pretty well lined up. So, yeah. um, we look forward to following. Thanks for sharing all the, the madness associated behind like this hut traverse. This wasn't just something off the couch. This was very calculated and a lot of specific training that differs from probably how most people think in the, inside the box. Mm -hmm. Um, which is very cool. I, we definitely appreciate uh, like just l the transparency and oh, everything yeah, that you guys course. do because it's going to help the next person. And what you just did um, is going to help like keep things progressing and shed light on how beautiful of a route the hut traverse is. I mean, oh, yeah. you're saying, I think, yeah, I think it's the best. I think it's the best route in the U S like, I don't really know what other, I was saying this Joey Campanelli out in, out in Utah, you know, no one's 14 whirl. Uh, he was getting kind of annoyed because I haven't run really run a ton of stuff out there, but like, I don't know what route can compare to the hut traverse. It's easily the best day route on the East coast. A hundred percent. Or, just or like, a full, yeah. Full calendar day for most people. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I mean like a, like a day, I mean like FKT yeah. like day, um, you know, throwing in like wonderland and timberline and grand Canyon rim to rim to rim. I mean, those are all fantastic, but like the hut traverse is, is so it's got such a history as a race route, it connects all these huts together. It goes over such like varied terrain, um, between, you know, some sections are kind of runnable, uh, like, you know, AZ trail, uh, you know, going up to lonesome at the end. And then you have some gnarly sections like mad golf that are like so poorly maintained. You got the above tree line stuff, you know, you're going over Mount Washington. Uh, it's just like really historic, really cool. And it's just, it's just so epic. Like it's just, when you, I didn't yesterday, you know, you pointed out to me when we were scouting, uh, the Franconia Ridge from the presidentials. And I didn't, I didn't want to look at that yesterday. I was like, I don't care. Like I just need to get to the Highland center. Cause I know once I get to the Highland center, I've run from there to Lonesome Lake. Um, because it's crazy. Like I just can't get over it. Like even when you stand on top of the presidential ridge and you look back at Carter notch, you're like, what the fuck? Like I did not come from there. That is unbelievable. That's like, that is too far. Um, but when you're in the woods and your head's down, like the, you just seem to travel through space and not really realize it. Um, yeah, just keep, like you're saying, just keep moving and, and break it down hut to hut. And yeah. And next thing you know, you'll, you'll be there.
Yeah, and I, I mean, you see so many people. The Pemi is just a is just a zoo. I mean, and the Prezi too. And if like, I am not a good example because I am someone who has only the only running I've ever done in the whites is on the Pemi, on the Prezi, and on the Hutchiverse. So I am the horrible example of this. But you know, to to everybody out there, there's just so many great routes in the whites. And if you're making a trip up here. Like I would strongly suggest like just going on the FKT site personally is what I would do and just looking what other routes are out there. Um, I think the three huts route, I was looking at that. I think that's a really cool one because I think I haven't been through the Wildcats, but I think 19 Mile Brook is kind of cool. Carter Notch is such a cool um, hut. Going up Mad Golf is like really fun and it kind of gets you away from just like the chaos on the Prezi Ridge. There's just so many people you know, you have through hikers coming through, you have people coming down off the train and everything. And obviously all that's fine, but it's just, it's just a lot of people. And the same with the Pemi. I mean, the Pemi is like so crowded and the Pemi is, you know, 30 miles and 10,000 feet of gain. Like a hut traverse isn't that much more than a Pemi. And I think people who do the hut traverse is primarily hut crew and people going for the FKT. I think there are some other people who do it, but I would just suggest to everybody out there who's kind of considering a Pemi and kind of feels like they could do a little bit more. The hut traverse really uh, is a is a fantastic is a fantastic option to check out. Um, and uh, yeah, of course it's gonna be a little bit longer if you hike into Carter in the morning and hike out from Lonesome. But uh, yeah, if yeah. if you want to avoid people or get on some more runnable terrain, like Grafton Notch is the spot. I mean, sorry, not Grafton. Um, Evans Notch is a spot. But like, if you're looking for another comparable Pemi Loop, something is like Grafton Notch. And if you just, again, want to get away from people and some new terrain, there's a ton of stuff in the sandwich range. So it's cool to spread people out. And there's other incredible routes out there. But they're, you know, the nice thing about these established ones is they're generally a little better maintained. Um, I will say Evans Notch is incredibly well maintained. Um, Steve Dupuy, shout out. We saw at Mitzvah Hut when we were doing some scouting and he he gets out there and contributes to that that zone. But that's like what a lot of the whites probably looked like before it got eroded, you know. It's very loamy and fresh and maybe the trails were designed a little better. But whatever it is about the, the topography, geography over in Evans Notch, it's heaven for like actual running and moving fast. Um, cool. Well, we're out of time. We get to work. You got to get down to the Cape. Um, Jack, it's been a pleasure. Really yeah, fun to hear this out, to see it firsthand. And we look forward to following on the, uh, the next chapter here. Yeah. I, if I were to say one more thing, I think like there is so much focus in the trail running scene in the U S on the West coast. And, uh, I think that is such, that is such a, I don't know what, uh, I think, that the East Coast, there are just such fantastic running out here. Uh, unfortunately, with climate change, you go run out west, and it's 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 arid and it's smoky. And uh, up here, I went out and ran in Jackson a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Damn, I kind of wish I was in New Hampshire right now," um, because the running here is just is just so awesome. It's got such a great feel for it. I feel feel to it, and I think there's there's more kind of variation out here in many ways. And like the trails up in the, up in the ADK and up here are just, are just extreme. Like it is just, they're kind of ridiculous to be completely honest. Um, and it's, it's really fun to get on them. It's like, it's the only place where hiking is like exciting to me. Like I would just lose my mind. I'd be so bored in most places, but like up here it's, it's, it's really fucking cool. So anybody 
who thinks they're fast uh, out west on runnable trails, I'd highly suggest you come out here and uh, try some of these because it's it's a whole nother world. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're just looking for something new, uh, definitely come up here and, and try this out because it's a, it's kind of a fantastically unique experience, and it's it's uh it's pretty intense. It's like crazy steep in some places, and it's just wild. So yeah. Perfect. Great way to wrap it up. I feel the same way about skiing. You can, you can run here, you can run anywhere, you can ski here, you can ski anywhere. This train is very demanding and technical, but all the listeners probably know that the majority, but hopefully, yeah, yeah maybe there's a few others out, um, out West that want to come give these a shot. Cause one, we just love to see people still be competitive with some of these times and, and to see a bigger, more efforts come through, you know, on some of these other, other routes. And then, uh, yeah, or just people get humble to make you feel better about what's, <laughs> what's in your backyard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, Jack. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah, we'll, we'll follow along your next adventure. Cool.